and gentlemen, welcome to a brand new edition of Over the Line, a very different edition of Over the Line as we are changing it up a little bit. This time around, we are actually live on Twitch, so if you're listening to the recording of this or uh, watching it, uh, a replay or whatever, just know you will be able to until further notice, watch the show live and participate if you would like to be a part of that. Twitch, uh, our Twitch name is OTL Show. So I guess that's at OTL Show. Make sure you hook that up. Also, if you're not on our other social media platforms, get on there while you can because it won't be long and they'll be pulled on down. That's uh, all the things you see in the video here from TikTok to Instagram to Facebook We've actually got some business cards on the way. They should be here any day. Very excited about that because uh, I, I'm constantly doing this word of mouth thing where we're telling people about the show, telling them where to find it. And yeah, people you know, may have the intentions of doing that, but they don't always do it. I mean, when you're just telling them in passing, they may, you know, they may think about it. And then by the time they get home, they're like, what was the name of that podcast again? So we got cards, which is going to be very very important. But I'm excited to be doing the show this way. I think it will uh, not only keep me more astute on time, if you will. We started this exactly at 7, like we said we were going to do. Uh, but I think it'll be more fun. It is more interactive, obviously, for those of you that join us live. Uh, but I think it may turn out pretty well. Now, if you're not familiar with the way this is going to be laid out, we plan on doing this for one hour each episode and there's a lot to cover sometimes there's going to be a lot to cover sometimes there's not sometimes we're just going to be goofing off or bring in special guests or whatever and we're going to do this for an hour and we're going to do a mondays and wednesday now i know you're saying to yourself well andrew today's tuesday august 31st i know that but i was in atlanta georgia last night and couldn't pull it off so i'm like well i need, at least need to make it up and kind of explain to everybody what we plan to do going forward now this this Format may not work out, and if it does not work out, so be it. We'll go back to the old format, but we want to uh, we want to at least explore. Because if you're not, you know, taking whatever project you have and trying every different possibility, uh, then you're going to be destined to fail, especially if you're making no headway on your current situation. So that's kind of our mentality on that. Uh, I've been out of pocket for several, several days and really haven't been able to give you guys a complete summary of of my thoughts on this Afghanistan situation. I don't feel like anyway over the past few days with my life being as chaotic as it is, but it's a mess. It's an absolute mess. And even within doing the show for an hour, I don't have enough time to cover all of it. There's so many different aspects to this, and all of them are so, so tragic. For instance, today, Joe Biden comes out, and he makes a speech. Okay, first of all, the Afghanistan pullout was allegedly over yesterday, right? Now, we were lied to about that, and they tried to cover their tracks and say, oh, we're talking about somebody else's time. We were told August 31st, was the pullout and was even given a, a, a time of like 2.30 in the afternoon or something like that. August 31st, August 31st. Kept repeating that over and over and over. Okay, well, if it was August 31st somewhere else you were talking about, we think you would specify, but they didn't. So nonetheless, yesterday, the pullout is complete. And everybody's sitting here like, wait a minute, I thought we had another day. Now, why is that important? Well, it's important because we still have people stranded over there. Okay, so an extra day, an extra 24 hours would have made a big, big difference. But they didn't wait. They were like, oh, oh sorry about the confusion. We were talking about Afghanistan time. Yeah, they're like a day ahead of us. So we, we just kind of, you know, just a little mix up there. No big deal. I mean, granted, there's people stuck uh, in, a, in a country where they're facing certain death, but it's just a little mix up. We had to get out of there today on Afghan time, you know. <laughs> Couldn't have waited till tomorrow. So at least 
with the confusion of the time frame, you think at least the president of the United States would come out and address the nation. He's known for weeks and even months that this was when the troops are going to be pulled out. So the president would obviously have a even a prepared speech that he would be reading from a teleprompter to address the nation as to where we are now at after a war that we've been engaged in for 20 years. A war we've been in for 20 years. The president would have a uh, have prepared remarks uh, to address the the literal pullout that he directed. But no, there was no Joe Biden yesterday. He sent out Secretary of State's Blinken, General Milley, uh, and others to explain what happened, which is the absolute last thing a leader would do. But today, on the day we were told they were going to be finally finishing the pullout, at about the same time that we were told the pullout was going to end, Joe Biden ironically makes a speech. Now, maybe that's because they did, in fact, lie to us about the time and they got it mixed up. I don't know. But he came out and it was a very bizarre, very unhinged speech, to say the least. He came out as angry. He came out as defensive. And he came out as a pompous clown that felt no need to take any responsibility for what is going on right now. And then he shuffles away from the podium in that little old man shuffle we've all seen in the nursing home refusing to take questions after this unhinged speech. He also noted that this was obviously a great success, an extraordinary success. Couldn't figure out that word. And that we've pretty much gotten everybody out of Afghanistan that wanted to get out. And the administration's got this thing, too, where they're, they're really enjoying the blame game to the point that they're, they're placing the blame on the Americans left in Afghanistan for the fact that they're still in Afghanistan. It's not our fault. They must have not wanted to come. We told them. We told them. And we're like, hey, after this time, we're, we're out of here. But you snooze, you lose. What kind of attitude is that? What kind of attitude is that for America, for for the, the 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 leader, the presidential candidate of love and compassion that he ran on? He was the opposite of Donald Trump, who had no compassion, no empathy. Joe Biden was that guy. He was the one that was going to show compassion. Now, what compassion are we seeing? We're seeing horrific images coming out of Afghanistan. We're seeing awful, awful things. I, I'm getting none of this empathy and compassion I was sold on with the Joe Biden presidency. Here, watch some of his speech from today. Absolutely fascinating stuff. The extraordinary success of this mission was due to the incredible skill, bravery, and selfless courage of the United States military and our diplomats. It was due to the bravery, by the way. Notice the defensive and angry tone he has this tone throughout the entire speech but listen how angry he is as he tells you this was an extraordinary success and intelligence professionals now we believe that about 100 to 200 americans remain in afghanistan with some intention to leave most of those who remain are dual citizens long-time residents who had early decided to stay because of their family roots in Afghanistan. The bottom line, 90% of Americans in Afghanistan who wanted to leave were able to leave. And for those remaining Americans, there is no deadline. We remain committed to get them out if they want to come out. Secretary of State Blinken is leading the continued diplomatic efforts to ensure safe passage for any American, Afghan partner, or foreign national who 
who wants to leave Afghanistan. Now, now we know none of our guys are left there to actually get you out of there. But my boy Blinken, he's going to talk to the Taliban. And he's going to cut a deal with the Taliban where somehow they throw out their Islamic extremist attitude of, of killing the infidel and uh, they let you on through. Even though they've literally got a hold of us by the nuts and can do whatever they want to do with our military equipment, they'll probably let you go by. Don't worry, don't worry, we got you covered. In fact, just yesterday, the United Nations Security Council passed a resolution that sent a clear message about the international community expects the Taliban to deliver on moving forward, notably freedom of travel, freedom to leave. So the, uh, the, the international community is pointing the finger at, at the Taliban and saying, hey, you better listen to us. We've got a list of demands we expect from you terrorists. What do you think the Taliban's response to that is? You want to guess? Anybody want to guess? Another funny part of that speech was the fact that Joe Biden, <laughs> he acted as if he planned for this to happen. He's like, yeah, there are assumptions. Well, they, were, they, they weren't wrong. They weren't dead wrong. They were just, they were a little inaccurate. But we planned for this, okay? We expected this to happen. So I instructed my people to make sure you had a contingency plan in place. For when the Afghan army, in fact, did roll over and gave complete control to the Taliban because, you know, Joe Biden being the foreign policy guru that he is, knowing everything that's going to happen, he was telling our generals, hey, be prepared. Be prepared. Never repay, but we should never, ever, ever forget in April, I made a decision to end this war. As part of that decision, we set the date of August 31st for American troops to withdraw. The assumption was that more than 300,000 Afghan National Security Forces that we had trained over the past two decades and equipped would be a strong adversary in their civil wars with the Taliban. That assumption that the Afghan government would be able to hold on for a period of time beyond military drawdown turned out not to be accurate. Uh, I'd say so. I'd say so. But I still instructed our national security team to prepare for every eventuality, even that one. And that's what we did. <laughs> so we were ready when the Afghan security forces, after two decades of fighting for their country, and losing thousands of their own did not hold on as long as anyone expected. We were ready when they and the people of Afghanistan watched their own government collapse. Again, I, I cannot stress the angry tone. But he says we were ready when the Afghan military and the Afghan government collapsed. You know, the funny thing about this is they should have seen it coming. No matter what Joe Biden says here, they did not see it coming. And, and actually, that point is, uh, is highlighted by the rest of his team. Because even though Joe Biden has given this, you know, very passionate, fiery speech, other members of his team are saying the exact opposite. That not only did they not see this coming... But nobody else on the freaking planet saw it coming. Listen to Jen Psaki from earlier today. Question. The president said that the U.S. should learn from its mistakes in the past. Mm -hmm. Does the president have any mistakes that he thinks he made during this withdrawal in Afghanistan that he wants to learn from? Well, I would say I think the president's been pretty clear that we all uh, had an expectation that the Afghan National Security Forces would fight harder in the end, would fight against the Taliban. Uh, we all had an expectation that uh, President Ghani would not flee the country. 
uh, those were not expectations that were clearly met. So you can spend a lot of time looking in the rearview mirror. What our focus now on is it is on now is moving forward under our diplomatic effort, settling uh, Afghan refugees, SIV applicants, and others who are coming to the United States, doing that in a very thorough and clear way, and also uh, getting them settled in communities. Um, that's what our focus has to be on. That he shouldn't have made those assumptions about the Afghanist about the Afghan government. Is that the lesson for him then? Well, I think. Well, it's gonna cut and take it away for a minute because it's stupid, stupid ads. And this is the only downside to live streaming. Nonetheless, she says we didn't say it coming, and Joe Biden didn't make any mistakes because this is our this is not our fault. This is strictly the fault of our predecessor in the Afghan government and the Afghan president, which I want to tell you about the Afghan president in just a moment, because this guy's yeah, a I doozy. I think most people made that uh, made that assumption, but I, I don't have any more for you. I only ask that because he said that the U.S. should make, learn from their mistakes, but if there's- Right, and he laid out clearly what he thinks they are over the past 20 years. <laughs> okay, so, uh, all right. Nobody got Jen Psaki the memo that Joe Biden had this completely under control. He knew this was going to happen, and, and they prepared for it. Jen Psaki didn't know. No, what it is is Joe Biden didn't know. Joe Biden doesn't know about any of this going on. Everybody in this White House cabinet is keeping Joe Biden out of the loop on purpose. And what you had happen was... They had a very important decision that had to be made and knew for the optics that this time the president had to be involved. So let's just keep it short and sweet. Tell uh, Joe Biden, hey, do you want to pull out or do you want to stay? And then at that point, we'll just work it from there. And so they say, all right, he said he wants to pull out. So let's go with it. And everything else has been done behind Joe Biden's back. They know he's not competent enough to be involved in this day in and day out. It's why he didn't give a speech or have a pre-prepared speech. They might have already had the speech ready, but Joe Biden probably wasn't physically and mentally capable yesterday to come out and give a speech. He probably wasn't. They, they, prob they have to wait until they can pump Joe Biden full of amphetamines or whatever performance enhancing drugs that they have to put him on to then prop him up on the stage but it's not possible every day he's in that bad of shape let's talk about this Karzai character this 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 president of Afghanistan that we put in place okay this was the guy that was supposed to direct the orchestra he was supposed to be the drum major right he was supposed to make sure this Afghan army that we had been training for 20 years were able to hold terrorist groups, especially the Taliban, as they came in because it was known that the Taliban, once we left, at some point, they were going to come in and they were going to attempt to take over, okay? We knew, we knew that. Everybody knew that. That's no secret. But the mistake was made that this leader, and, and we're not talking about this guy enough, this president of Afghanistan that was put in place by us, really, left town as soon as this started going down. He literally up and disappeared, and his excuse was, I just need to get out of the way so I don't cause more unnecessary bloodshed. Like... We know it's about to happen. I, there's no reason for me to be here. And who knows where he's at at this point. But this is a guy that's very involved politically. He was, um, I believe, a professor at Harvard. This is some sort of um, international soy boy that just happens to be politically connected. His son even worked on the Pete Buttigieg campaign for the 2020 election. Okay? That's, that's who we propped up for the president of Afghanistan. So it should be no surprise to anyone that when the going got tough, the Afghani president got going. He was up out of there. And then that caused a series of events because don't even blame the military, the Afghan military, even though they were probably a mess and our guys did the absolute best they could. 
with no leadership, what do you think they're going to do? If their president leaves, you think they're going to stay there and fight? They've got no direction. Have you seen the videos of our troops trying to train these Afghan troops? There's one in particular that comes to mind. I don't have it with me. Uh, but they're doing jumping jacks out in the field. And these Afghani soldiers don't even know how to do jumping jacks. They're like, they can't even get the coordination going. So with all those factors considered, this was bound to happen. Like, it should have been should have been no secret. But one of the more troubling things here that we're dealing with are the people that are left behind. And the fact that the Biden administration has taken zero responsibility for these people that are, in fact, left behind. Before I get into that, let me remind you about my boys at Vaporforge, proud, proud sponsors of this show. We would not be doing this without them. My man, Tony, who owns the place, he is absolutely number one, man. This guy's a complete and utter workhorse, loves what he does, loves changing lives and helping people get healthy and off the cigarettes, not to mention the CBD, the Delta 8. They even have Delta 10 in now. If you use any of that stuff, that's the place to go. Vape devices, vape juice, all of that at the best prices. Nobody's going to beat it, so go see them and mention over the line when you go by there. 4673 Highway 280 East in Birmingham, right next to Bailey Brothers. 205-874-9010 is the number. And then also we have our Patreon. You know about Patreon. Patreon.com slash Andrew McLean, who for easy ways to donate to the show. It's a monthly deal, but you can do a one-time deal. Cancel whenever you want to. And occasionally, we put some behind-the-scenes content on there that only Patreon people can access. So go and hook that up. Patreon.com slash Andrew McLean. Who? That's most of our... Um, that's most of our social media stuff, too. I meant to change that, but... Uh, we got a lot going on. We're doing a whole overhaul, maybe even of um, our logo as well. It's not going to be much different, but we 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 have got we've got so many irons in the fire. It's absolutely ridiculous. Um, but help us continue to get the word out, as y'all are doing so well. Uh, now that we're doing these live, once we get back on Facebook. Uh, we'll be streaming live on Facebook, and if we can ever get our YouTube hooked up, we'll be doing that as well until they delete that account. Um, but there's only so much we can say um, without getting booted. I, honestly, I don't even know what the parameters for Twitch is. I don't even know if I can talk about election fraud on here yet. But we'll find out now, won't we? All right, uh, where was I at? Oh, we were talking about those that were left behind. One of the most striking examples of that came from the Wall Street Journal today. And I thought to myself, why am I not so shocked by this? Because it's a shocking story. And I thought, it's just, it's what we've come to expect. Look at this headline. Interpreter who reportedly helped save Joe Biden and Tony Blinken in 2008, when they were part of the Obama administration, when a snowstorm hit and they had to do an emergency landing in their helicopter. He is one of the people left behind in Afghanistan. This is a guy who has been working with our military for almost 20 years. And he is one of the many that have been left behind in Afghanistan. Imagine that. Let me read you a little bit of his story. An interpreter who reportedly helped save Joe Biden and Antony Blinken after uh, their helicopter was forced to make an emergency landing during a snowstorm was left behind in Afghanistan following the U.S. withdrawal. Uh, he said, I can't leave my house. I'm very scared. Uh, his name's Muhammad. I don't know if that's his real name. Maybe using a, a, um, a fake name for his own safety. He added that although he and his wife and his four children were able to make it to the gates of the Hamid Karzai International Airport, his wife and children were denied entry. And so, as most of us men would do, because your wife and your children can't go, 
you then turn around and say, well, I'm not leaving without them. Here's a tweet. I don't know who this is. He helped rescue Senator Joe Biden uh, from a snowy Afghan valley in 2008. Now he's asking President Biden to save him. Back then, Mohammed was an army interpreter. Now he's hiding from the Taliban after being left behind when the U.S. withdrew. He says, don't forget me here. Uh, that's Don uh, Dion Nissenbaum or whoever that is. I don't know. Muhammad was serving at uh, Bagram Air Force Base in 2008 when a pair of Black Hawk helicopters carrying then-Democrat Senators Joe Biden of Delaware and John Kerry of Massachusetts and then-Republican Nebraska Senator Chuck Hagel was forced by a snowstorm to land in a valley that was near the site of a recent battle. Blinken, who was then a foreign policy advisor to Biden, was also on the trip, according to CNN. And just a quick correction, I said this was during the Obama administration. This was actually the end of the Bush administration uh, right before uh, um, Barack Obama took office. And at that time, Joe Biden was still a senator. The translator joined the 82nd Airborne Division, driving into the mountains to rescue the group. Muhammad reportedly fought in more than 100 firefights along with American troops. 100 firefights this guy's been involved in. Quote, his selfless service to, a, to our military men and women is just the kind of service I wish more Americans displayed. According to Lieutenant Colonel Andrew Till, who wrote that in support of Muhammad's special immigrant visa application. Hundreds of American and thousands of Afghan green cards and SIV holders were left in Afghanistan after the last U.S. plane left the air base, blah, 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 so on and so forth. But that's Muhammad's story, okay? A guy who directly was involved with saving Joe Biden in Afghanistan back when Joe Biden would actually travel places. Cannot even catch a break from this administration. Left to die. And you better believe the Taliban's looking for this dude. Knowing that they can have that guy's head on the stake as a trophy to say, look what we're doing over here. We're holding America by the tail and there's nothing they can do about it. Imagine the upper hand that gives them in recruiting. New terrorists. Because all this is based on religion, right? It's all based on religion and it's based on Allah is allowing this stuff to happen. So they're able to say to future recruits, hey, America, the superpower, the, 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 the country that nobody can take down, nobody can beat, we beat them. We ran them out of Afghanistan. Thanks to Allah. Allah is on our side. And the only way you're going to get to heaven is if you join us. And you'll be okay. Because when you join us, you are on the side of Allah. These are people that love violence, love their extremist religion, and ironically want to get to heaven their twisted view of heaven. It's a bizarre combination. But that's who these people are. That's what they do. You then, and th this has gotten so bad that the mainstream media and, and people like Chris Cuomo can't even ignore it. He had a lady who was identified as Sarah on his show who was calling from Afghanistan. She's an American woman and she is trapped there. And she is calling Chris Cuomo, CNN host, live on his show, asking for their help in getting her back home. That's how desperate these times are for these people. It is, in fact, that bad. I think closer to 100 who remain in Afghanistan and want to leave. We're trying to determine exactly how many. We're going through manifests and calling and texting through our lists. And we'll have more details to share as soon as possible. 
So from the theoretical and the political to the reality, I want you to meet our guest. You've heard her on this show before. Sarah, we're calling her. It's not a real name. Uh, one of the many left behind, a U.S. citizen, a former interpreter for the U.S. military, and someone who is still committed to helping the people who've been left behind by the U.S. military and government to get out. She has been trying to leave, but only if she can get these families out who've begged for her help. Just to remind you of how she got to where she is today, listen to this. It's just very sad to see the, the women, they have to kiss my feet. It's heartbreaking and I can't leave them behind. I have 19 kids in my house and two of them are disabled. Um, I feed them. Uh, I take care of them. I can't leave this country. Chris, I can't leave. Um, I can't leave these families. They were there with us. They worked just like I did. And I can't leave them behind. Now, Sarah is joining us from the phone in Kabul. Sarah, do I still have you? Uh, yes, sir. Hello, Chris. Hi. Now, we were talking before we came back out of the commercial, but let's pretend we weren't, Sarah, so everybody can hear the same details you already relayed to me. Uh, how do you feel on the ground there now that the United States is gone? Is the mood shifting? I just found out that they left, and I was just silent for, for a little while. And I just went, walk around the rooms, and I saw the young kids are sleeping, and they have no clue what happened this morning, that the last flight is gone and we're left behind. It's heartbreaking to see that with all this, uh, what's going on, no one heard us, that we are in danger and we need to be safe. It's just heartbreaking. I don't know. I just don't even know what to say to you. But if you listen to what's coming out of the White House, these people are perfectly fine. They've, they've decided to stay. We've been telling them for months. We've been giving them the heads up. Y'all come on down. We got you. Then why, why is everyone so desperate? Why, why was the desperation at, at such a high that people were clinging to the sides of planes in order to escape? And it's not just Sarah. It's, it's so many others. And outside of the the total number of people that want to get out. Because there's three groups here. There's Americans, there's Afghans that helped Americans, and then there's average Afghans. Now, granted, these average Afghans, they are human beings as well and deserve a life of safety and comfort just as much as anybody else. But in the order that these people should be saved... And there has to be an order. There's no way around that. Americans, Afghans that helped Americans, and then you can work on saving people from a humanitarian crisis. But we are nowhere close to even touching that third group because we're getting story after story from people that saved the president 13 years ago to this lady, who is an American citizen, who is begging to be saved, to this three-year-old from California who is stranded in Afghanistan. A friggin' three-year-old. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. And not once have any of these buffoons in the White House even brought this up. Let me play this this news story. This is from uh, ABC7. I guess they're out in California. I don't really know where they're at. Let me just play you this news report so you can really get a grasp of what's going on here. This three-year-old boy was born near Sacramento. His passport shows he is a U.S. citizen, and he's going through a harrowing ordeal right now, unable to escape Afghanistan, where hiding his identity and that of his father, a social worker, and other family members who are all U.S. permanent residents for fear of them being captured by the Taliban. I received a call uh, Sunday morning at about 6 a.m. from a friend of mine uh, who is a uh, active duty Marine Corps officer stationed overseas. And he basically felt like his hands were tied and he needed some help getting his family out. James Brown is a veteran's advocate who's been working since Sunday morning to get the family's safe passage through the Kabul airport to the States. He contacted Representative Jackie Speer and her staff who jumped into action. They've also made numerous phone calls to the White House 
to the Secretary of Defense's office and to the Secretary of State's office, escalating this family's case all the way to the top for us. Speer wrote a letter to whom it may concern. I believe it is of particular and urgent concern that these individuals be allowed to pass through the gate. Armed with that letter, the boy, his father, and several other family members approached the airport, but the Taliban attacked. And they were stopped by a Taliban checkpoint, and they received uh, physical beatings at the gate, and they were pushed back where they had to flee and return to a safe house. I spent today funneling questions through our ABC News colleagues in Washington to officials at the White House and State Department. Secretary of State Antony Blinken announced the U.S. Embassy in Kabul will remain closed and the diplomats will be moved to Doha, Qatar. We will continue our relentless efforts to help Americans, foreign nationals, and Afghans leave Afghanistan if they choose. So movement on this on many fronts, including Congresswoman Jackie Speer and her staff. I've scheduled an interview with her for tomorrow. I'll keep you up to date on the latest information. Late tonight, I can report the boy and family are on the move after linking with other Americans who are desperate to flee Afghanistan without the normal channels of the U.S. government in the chaos that we left behind. For the I team, Dan Noyes, ABC Seven News, and that's that's what you're that's what you're seeing coming out of this country. You want to see some real humanity? Look at what's going on, not at the White House, but look just what's going on around the country with average citizens, veterans, and others doing what they can to get American citizens back home. I know people that are directly working with American citizens trying to get them back home. Contractors, uh, people that were there for, I mean, you're talking about people, you heard that guy, who's a social worker. You've got doctors, you've got nurses, you've got uh, teachers, all kinds of just average people that have gone over there to help that country and help those people that Joe Biden has left behind. And there is a timeline. Their, their clock is ticking. They will be murdered if they are not pulled out of there in time. That's why this, this deadline was so important, or why it was so baffling, should I say. Because there, were, there was not a contract... Or anything that was written in stone that said we had to get out by August 31st, which actually turned out to be August 30th. There's nothing that said that. That was a decision by Joe Biden that he refused to change under any circumstance. And if that could have been pushed back a day, a week, a month, imagine the difference it would have made in getting Americans out there. Because these people are backing. They're backing. This is not, well, we can't find them, so I guess they just don't want to get to the airport. No, they're calling freaking news stations. They're calling Chris Cuomo's show. Saying, please help. You mean to tell me that nobody can get the word to Joe Biden when these people are calling Chris Cuomo's show? If you watch the news, you're constantly hearing about people veterans groups and others that are doing what they can outside of the channels of the government to get these people back over here average citizens risking their lives to do the job that joe biden and the biden administration should be doing right now that they refuse to do but they it just keeps getting worse worse and worse look at this headline sacramento school district confirms 24 of their students are still tra- stranded in Afghanistan. You remember a few days ago when we weren't allowed to say they were stranded? Jen Psaki said it was offensive that you would say Americans are stranded. What? Actually, the Biden administration is now using that terminology. At least 24 Sacramento area students are confirmed to be stranded in Afghanistan as turmoil continues in Kabul. San Juan Unified School District staff said 24 students, down from the initial estimate of 150 students, had not returned to campuses since the start of the 2021-2022 school year. After reading the story about two students stranded overseas, staffers at Sacramento uh, Congressman Amy uh, Barra's office 
contacted San Juan Unified uh, and are working with the district to bring the students back safely. Our office has been in close contact with the San Juan Unified School District and have urgently flagged the students' information with the State Department and Department of Defense. We have not received an update from the State Department. Should be no surprise there. Or the Department of Defense. Nothing. Congressman from that district contacting the White House, the Department of the Defense, the, the State Department. And they're getting nothing. Nothing at all. I should make you absolutely furious. Absolutely furious. And this president, president, acts like absolutely nothing's wrong. He acts like what he told us initially actually happened. And he doesn't quite grasp reality. Because you remember what he told us initially. And we're going to get everybody out. We got an August 31st deadline. We're not going to change the deadline. We're not going to have a reason to change the deadline. Because we're going to get everyone out. Remember him being on with uh, George Stephanopoulos? He said it. He's like, hey, ain't got nothing to worry about, Cole. Why y'all, why y'all so out of, why y'all so been out of shape? We're going to get everybody out. If that's the case, we'll be, they'll all be out. Because we've got like ten to 15,000 Americans in the country right now, right? And are you committed to making sure that the troops stay until every American who wants to be out yes. is out? Yes. How about our Afghan allies? Does the commitment hold for them as well? The commitment holds to get everyone out that, in fact, we can get out and everyone should come out. And that's the objective. That's what we're doing now. That's the path we're on. And I think we'll get there. So Americans should understand that troops might have to be there beyond August 31st. No, Americans should understand that we're going to try to get it done before August 31st. But if we don't, the troops if, will if stay. If we don't, we'll determine at the time who's left. <laughs> and... <laughs> and if they're American force, if there's American citizens left, we're going to stay till we get them all out. Oh, 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 excuse me. We're going to stay till we get them all out. What happened to that Joe Biden? Because it was, we're definitely going to get them out, but if for some bizarre reason we don't get them out, we're going to stay till we get them out. And as of yesterday, all of our people, all of our troops, or out of Afghanistan. I saw an eerie image today of uh, of the the last soldier that had his boots on the ground in Afghanistan. I guess getting on the plane, taking off back to the U.S. And thank God we've got our soldiers back here, especially with what we've seen over the past week. Thank the good Lord. That is the only silver lining in this. Everything else is an absolute disaster of epic proportions. Something that none of us could have seen coming. I knew it would be bad. I knew what Joe Biden was doing was going to create an awful situation. I knew it. Y'all knew it. But I'm going to be honest. I can only speak for myself. I didn't see it getting this bad this quick. I mean, it's been, y'all remember, for those of y'all that were listening to me on the radio, um, what was it? It was like a week ago. Uh, I think it was last Thursday, actually, when the bombs went off. I was on the air, and I thought, man, this is it. This is really where it gets kicked off. And little did I know at that time what the death toll was going to be. But just knowing a bomb, multiple bombs went off. I said, man, this is about to get get real bad. And again, the people that are stuck there, they face certain death. They face certain death. That was highlighted by the images we saw of a Black Hawk helicopter flying around with a person hanging from the bottom of the chopper. We don't know who that person was. But chances are that person was in some way associated with the United States of America. 
Uh, a little uh, a warning here for those of you that are watching the video or watching live. Disturbing images, but just to accentuate the point, I need to show you this. And as you see, our Black Hawk flying around above Kabul with a man hanging. That man's blood is on the hands of Joe Biden. Absolutely sickening. Sickening images coming out of Afghanistan. That is a direct result from what we have decided to do. A direct result. Now, speaking of the chopper they were flying, let's just talk about that for a moment. What did we leave the Taliban with our exit? Because it wasn't just about us leaving. We made sure the Taliban was more equipped, more well-equipped than they ever have or ever would have been in anybody's lifetime. They've got more Black Hawk helicopters right now than 85% of countries in the entire world. The freaking Taliban. Look at this list. This is a list of what we left them. Two, uh, 22,174 Humvees. I won't go through all these. I'll just kind of spot check them for you. Let's see. 33, I don't know the actual names of these things. 33 Blackhawks. 28 Cessnas. Four C-130 transporters. 176 artillery pieces. 126,000 pistols. 358 thousand assault rifles a hundred and sixty nine tanks sixty four thousand three hundred and sixty three machine guns automatic weapons that they have think about that Everyone you see on that list, every weapon, every plane, every tank and Humvee, you see, came from us, came from the tax dollars you pay every two weeks from your paycheck, paid for those things. That went to the Taliban. So to see the images of these people walking around, in uh, there, there's images coming out now of them in our fatigues, dressed just like combat soldiers. They look like just our. What's what's that going to look like when we have to go back to war against these guys? And they're dressed exactly like us, and they're carrying weapons just like us. What kind of danger is that gonna 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 pose for our guys? This is insanity. There's so many things that is going to make this an awful and a deteriorating situation for years and years to come, no matter who the president is in 2024. Now, politically, this is obviously a good thing for Republicans because as this continues to get worse. As long as they continue to push back against voter fraud, they should sweep the House and the Senate. Now, I don't trust Republicans to actually pull that off. I think a lot of them are incompetent. But there's not much else that's good about this. There's there's not many more things you can look at this and say, well, here's the bright side. There's almost no bright sides to this none more headlines taliban rape and beat a gay man seeking to escape from kabul 60 bomb sniffing dogs may be among the abandoned in afghanistan probably thousands of animals we left over there in afghanistan and then probably the biggest story of all coming from over the past few days are our 13 men and women 
servicemen and women that lost their lives. And the reaction from their parents towards the guy that made the decision to put them in the situation has been not surprising at all. America is starting to get a little unified, at least more unified than we've been in a long, long time. You've probably heard this, but one of the the moms from one of these Marines that lost their life called into a radio show, actually the Andrew Wilkow show. Um, I used to listen to him all the time on Sirius XM. Good, good show. I want you to listen to this in case you haven't heard it. Here's part of her call in uh, expressing her frustration over what had happened to her son and who she views as the person at fault. My son was one of the Marines that died yesterday. 20 years and six months old, getting ready to come home from freaking Jordan to be with his wife to watch the birth of his son. And that feckless, dementia-ridden piece of crap just sent my son to die. So my son is gone. And I just want all you Democrats who cheated in the election or who voted for him legitimately, you just killed my son. Two Marines showed up at my house at 4 o'clock in the morning to tell me my son was dead. So my name is Kathy McCollum. My son was Riley James McCollum. You can check it out. Um, his wife, I, she might not want me to say her name. Um, they just got married on February 14th, and they're expecting a baby on, on uh, September 26th. And um, I just can't, I just, I just couldn't sit by idly because I think I need to just process through anger instead of tears. And so this is how I'm going to do it. And Laura Bobert's coming to my house tomorrow. My representative will be at my house tomorrow and um, we'll speak and hopefully she'll be able to convey my message to the rest of the United States. That this was, she said, your son did not die in vain, but guess what? My son did die in vain. This was an unnecessary debacle that could have been handed, handled properly. They had months and months to, to remove everyone from Afghanistan, and they chose not to. And so they sent in freaking, what, 6,000 troops? And my son, through the laws of statistics, my son was one of the ones who just got blown up in a freaking terrorist bomb yesterday. So... I, hope, I know you'll check it out, and that's fine. So you, instead of grieving and crying, I'm just getting mad. So there's uh, part of the phone call from the Andrew Wilkow show of one of the mothers, a uh, fallen Marine, and you can't help but be so heartbroken for her and what she's dealing with, as well as the rest of these parents. I keep seeing the stories come out of of these parents and how they feel about this. And, and in a lot of cases, uh, what from what I'm seeing, the anger is overcoming the grief at this point in the grieving stage. For instance, an interaction at Dover in Delaware as these Marines were brought back in flag-draped caskets. There was another interaction with one of the, uh, one of the fathers and the, the mother of this this brave hero. His name was Mark Schmitz. He and his ex-wife, whose son Jared died in the attack, approached Biden to show him a photo of their son. He said to Biden, don't you ever forget that name. Don't you ever forget that face. Don't you ever forget the names of the other 12 and take some time to learn their stories. And what was Biden's response? I do know their stories. Do you? Do you? You know what he did after that? He spent almost the rest of the time speaking about his son, Bo. And in an interview I heard last night, one of the fathers says he spent far more time talking about his son than he did talking about mine. That's the leader we have. And Big Tech, Hollywood, they're all right there with him. Look at this one. 
Facebook says it incorrectly deleted the account of a mother of a Marine killed in the Kabul explosion. Shanna Chappelle, who is the mother of one of these brave Marines, claimed in a Facebook post yesterday that her Instagram account had been deleted. Not a post taken down, her entire account deleted. Now, Instagram owned by Facebook, as y'all know. She says, it seems Instagram took it upon themselves to delete my account because I am assuming it was because I gained so many followers over my son's death due to Biden's negligence, ignorance, and him being a traitor. You deleted my account because my son's blood is on Biden's hands. Hero's blood is on Biden's hands. She then made another post linking to a now unavailable Instagram comment that she claimed was the reason for the account's removal. She said, as soon as I posted about what happened to my son's Instagram, my son, what happened to my son, Instagram started pulling up my post from months ago and sending me notifications that if I kept posting stuff like this, they would disable my account. What she means by that, I know exactly what she's talking about because it happens to me. If you post something they don't like, all of a sudden they're looking through all your other posts going back years and flagging old posts and saying, now you only get three strikes. And so if you post two more things that, that cause you to get a strike, you can get deleted. And instead of them waiting to see if you post something else, they see if they can find something else in your, in your account. Took her entire account down, y'all. A mother grieving, angry. Took her account down. It was the same Facebook that covered up the Hunter Biden story, yet promoted baseless stories about Donald Trump. It's crazy. It's crazy. I don't even know what to say to that. And I complain about my battle with social media. That makes mine look like a birthday party. But the most infuriating part of the interactions with those families at Dover Air Force Base was when those flag draped coffins came off the planes. What did Joe Biden do? He checked his watch to see what time it is. As if he had somewhere to go. They take the salute down. Joe Biden glances down at his wrist to check what time it is and then proceeds to stand there acting like he's concerned about those soldiers and their families. One of the, uh, one of the dads of one of these heroes noted that as all three of those coffins were unloaded off the planes, mine checked his watch for each and every one of them. And no, I don't believe he was just noting the time of the arrival of these these bodies. I think it legitimately is wondering what time it was. Maybe how much longer he had to be there. Even after the Marines were killed and he held that first press conference, you remember... When he was taking questions, he's like, I'm only going to take a couple more questions because I've got a meeting to go to. A meeting. Is there, what, what possible meeting could be more important than addressing the nation after 13 of our soldiers had died? Why is, why is Biden not being hammered into an oblivion over this? You remember the Gold Star family, uh, Kaiser Khan? Remember his mom and dad? Invited to the DNC to speak. To hammer Donald Trump, who they say called soldiers that had died in the line of duty losers. They called them losers. It was never confirmed. They didn't call... All soldiers, dead, uh, dead soldiers, losers. But they ran with it. The media propped this family up 
for months. You remember. Kaiser Khan. All they talked about was how infuriating, how disrespectful it was for Donald Trump and how offended they were, how heartbroken they were that Donald Trump would do something like that. All coming from reports, obviously. But they were used as a political tool. We all remember it. You know what else we remember? We remember Donald Trump on a regular basis highlighting and honoring these heroes. Remember the State of the Union speech where he honored Ryan Owens, the Navy SEAL who died in the Yemen raid. You remember that? Very touching moment. That's the real Donald Trump. He is everything that Joe Biden is not. Watch this. We are blessed to be joined tonight by Corinne Owens, the widow of U.S. Navy Special Operator, Senior Chief William Ryan Owens. Ryan died as he lived, a warrior and a hero, battling against terrorism and securing our nation. I just spoke to our great General Mattis just now, who reconfirmed that, and I quote, Ryan was a part of a highly successful raid that generated large amounts of vital intelligence that will lead to many more victories in the future against our enemy. Ryan's legacy is etched into eternity. Thank you. That's a leader that actually honors our heroes. And that's, that's the wife of a hero who is honored to have a leader such as that. Highlighting her husband's bravery. Mm. So what, what's the solution to this? Why, why are people not being fired? Why are, not, why are people not being impeached? They should be. Why are, why are administration officials not being fired? Remember every time we turned around, somebody in the Trump administration was either quitting because they didn't like the policies or whatever. But yet everybody in the Biden administration is still in place. Nobody's been fired. Well, I, I take that back. There's one person that's been fired. And it was a... Um, a Marine who accounted, um, uh, he, he demanded accountability from his superiors. He got fired. He was three years away from retirement, man of pension. And he was fired for daring to question the decision making. Tucker did a, did a thing on this last night. I thought it was absolutely fascinating and uh, very... Um, I don't know. It, it it really highlighted exactly the position we're in and how being insubordinate to anything these people do, no matter how awful it is, will cause your life to be ruined. If an 05 battalion commander has uh, the simplest live fire incident EO complaint, boom, fired. But we have a Secretary of Defense that testified to Congress in May that the Afghan National Security Force could withstand the Taliban advance. We have chairmen of Joint Chief, who the commandant is a member of that, who's supposed to advise on military policy. We have a Marine combatant commander. All of these people are supposed to advise. And I'm not saying we've got to be in, the, in Afghanistan forever, but I am saying, did any of you throw your rank on the table and say, hey, it's a bad idea to evacuate Bagram Airfield, the strategic air barriers, before we evacuate everyone? And he was fired. His career's over for saying those things.
for saying the obvious, or what we all know, what they should and shouldn't have done. Where's the accountability? I pray that those in Congress, with what power they do have, go after this. And if there's ever been a time with all the bogus investigations we've seen over the past four years, if there's ever been a time for an investigation, that time is now. Because we spilled a lot of blood. For what? For nothing. Because we might be right back at war. Even our allies are censuring and, 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 and blaming Biden for this mess. They're literally having meetings in their version of Congress and making formal uh, displays of disapproval, disapproval against Joe Biden and what he's done. We've even got allies, especially the UK. Look at this headline. Just days after withdrawal, UK is ready to bomb Afghanistan again. Our allies know the only answer. And they're like, this is a mess. We're going to have to go right back in there. That's bad, y'all. It's bad. Listen, that's it for this edition of Over the Line. Thank y'all so much for watching. Those of you that watched live, I appreciate each and every one of y'all. If you need to see the replay, if you didn't catch the entire show, keep an eye out on YouTube, keep an eye out on Rumble, and keep an eye out on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. It will be in all those places, and the replay will be available on Twitch for up to 14 days. Help us get the word out about Twitch. Let's make this live portion of the show uh, uh, exciting, and, and, and let's pack it out because I think we could do some really awesome things with this show as we continue to get the truth out and do whatever we can as American citizens to hold this administration responsible and accountable for the horrendous things they are doing, the horrendous things they are doing to this country, the horrendous things they are doing to the other countries and the horrendous things they are doing to our men and women in uniform. We're not going to put up with it. Absolutely not. Until next time, see you, Coles.